Welcome to Because We Make, the podcast about making creativity and why we do what we do as makers and creatives. I'm your host, Vincent Ferrari. Now, if you go all the way back to episode, I think it was two, I had my good friend Bruce Ulrich on. And Bruce and I, at the end of the episode, we talked about channels that he was interested in, people that he liked to watch. And he mentioned somebody that I had, I don't remember if I just started watching or if it was the clue to start watching. He mentioned a young gentleman named Ethan Carter. And I was very excited when I saw the channel because I don't want to pigeonhole him, but the leather work that he does is epic. So I decided when I started this podcast, I have a short list. I've mentioned it before. And he was one of the people on the short list that I wanted to talk to. And I got him tonight. So welcome, Ethan Carter. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me. I'm uh, honored. And uh, in- I was surprised when you asked me, so I appreciate it. And I'm well, looking forward to, to Why would chatting. you be surprised? You know, it's, it's uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, you, I, I know. Okay, um, you're you're a modest guy, and that's the problem. See, you're going to say <laughs> I'm surprised you asked me because you've had luminaries on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, but truthfully, I I really like I like the idea of having people on that are doing interesting stuff. And the video, the first, well, we should just we should just get this out of the way in the beginning. Yeah, let's go. You don't really have a YouTube channel, not yet. No, not yet. Uh, and Bruce has been trying to convince you to start one. If I yeah, if I I've heard. got a few a uh, few cheerleaders that have been. Uh, Basically, every at least once every two weeks are asking me when I'm going to start mine. So, and mm-hmm. Bruce is definitely one of those cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. I'll be the second one because I think you. <laughs> I think you would do really well in the format. But you have maximized the Instagram format in a way that is inspiring to me because I don't have a YouTube channel and I don't really have that much of an interest in starting one. So it is amazing that you've done as much as you have with Instagram. I mean, that's. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's you know it's it's a fun challenge. I mean, the minute format is is tricky and, uh, but it's a fun challenge. I think it's it's fun to try to tell a story and a, a build in one minute. You know, and you utilize the full platform too. You do you do plenty of stories. You do photos. You do videos. You do you really do make use of every aspect of the platform, which well, is kind of nice. It's yeah. I mean, just... it's it's my world. I, you know, I, I when I found I, uh, Instagram and in the community, it was just like this is it. This is awesome. We talked about, um, I talked about this with, I think it was Keith Decent last week. Um, well, two weeks ago as we record this, um, as this episode drops anyway. And we talked about Instagram being huge for makers and yep. possibly being the next big channel for us to, you know, show our stuff off. And I really do feel like the maker community on Instagram is underrated and kind of forgotten because youtube just kind of sucks all the oxygen out of the room but it really is just a so much a so much better place for people like us to do what we do it's so much easier to get noticed it's it's more almost more pure you know well and you and it's because you can have all those different formats i mean you people there's people that do just photos and and do really beautiful shots and and that works and then there's yeah. people that do video you know tons of videos and so i think it's much more accessible and open um which is why i love it it's also a lower it, yeah and it's a lower it's a lower commitment like for me right. you know i don't have to commit to hours of editing a video or watching stuff or getting shots a lot of the stuff that gets the most interest for me on on instagram is when i post pictures of stuff that's in progress right you know oh, just I, yeah a snapshot. i think the progress is the it gets more more footage than the final image i think yeah, a lot of times absolutely absolutely i you know i don't have a, a wonderfully curated feed like a lot of people do and i've kind of balked at the idea of you know your feed should be this if it's your business it should be this and yep. maybe that's a bad thing i don't know but i seem to be I was talking about this in the Glowforge group today on Facebook, and yep. I tend to find that most of my customers f- 
find me through Instagram rather than any other. I have a Facebook page. They don't find me there. I use Twitter a lot. They don't find me there. They seem to be finding me on Instagram, and usually it's like, oh, you make that? Can you make that for me? Right, right. Do you do? Do you actually do commission work, or do you just do stuff you like? Or you know, it's it, it's a little bit of um, of everything. I mean, I I have started selling things, um, and I, it's really when I got into the leather work, which we can get to. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know if it's the 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 size. You know, it's it's a lower commitment. It's it's smaller items um, that I think people are more accept you know are more accessible to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I sell things, but not that's not my hasn't been my main focus. I mean, maybe it should be, and maybe that is longer term. Um, but I get antsy doing the same thing so many times. Uh, so, so to do one, you know, to sell three hundred wallets is not something <laughs> I'm interested in at the moment, at least. Um, no. It's more of the, you know learning and and designing and coming up with the next thing and and you know creating that arsenal of of uh techniques and um things to use for the next thing um so yeah i do sell some things um i have done a few commission things people have reached out and said can you make me you know this type of notebook cover or 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 so on um and i'm happy to do that but that's not necessarily the you know main driver of my feed or uh, account well, it's funny because when, when I was growing up, my dad, um, you know, he was a carpenter and one of his big hobbies was leather. And there was always the smell of dye in the house. And there mm-hmm. was always like, you know, tons and tons of leather, you know. And he would sit there in the basement and sit at this big table that he had set up and all his leather supplies were out. And he would you would hear him banging as he was stamping <laughs> stuff. And and when I saw your stuff, I was like, Wow, this just he just reminds me so much of my dad because that was my dad's getaway from his daily work. That was, was his to, hobby. Of, yeah, yeah, he would come home and he didn't. He hated dealing with wood when he got home. He wanted right. to he wanted to make stuff out of leather, and he made really ornate wallets and belts. I had a couple of belts that he made for me when I was a kid, and That's you know so it's cool. funny because as a kid I always looked at them like, oh, these are these <laughs> yeah. are kind of weird looking, right. and now I would think like, oh God, I would kill to have one of those belts now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You so, appreciate it more as you get older. Right? Exactly. Where did you learn? I mean, I, I don't want to pigeonhole you <laughs> as a leather guy because you do do more than leather, but let's be honest. E- I know you because you're the leather guy. Yeah, you know, and that, and that's funny. I mean, you say that, and <clears throat> I would have a hard time disagreeing at this point. I mean, I think that's most of the people um, on Instagram that know me, know me as that. And that was not my intention. Um, So yeah, I'll go back. I mean, I started Instagram, uh, not last February, but uh, the February before. So it was at 2017. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had never touched a piece of leather, and I was just building things. I did a lot of... um, Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. You can't just gloss over that. (laughs) In 2017, you had never worked with leather. No. No, never. Holy crap. Yeah. No. So it was really... It wasn't until um, November. I think of November of last year. So, yeah. November of last year, I did my first one, and I had... I think I went to Michael's and bought, like, they have a bag of scrap pieces of leather, and Uh I bought in there all junk, but... Um, and I'm just made, uh, I think it was just, yeah, I just made drawer pulls, little, these little drawer pulls, um, for a cabinet that I was making, had no idea what I was doing. Um, and that was the start of it. And then I made a slim wallet for my brother for Christmas this past Christmas. And then, um, it just kind of blossomed, you know, took off from there. And so it's really been since, I'd probably say since January where I've actually had leather tools and have been making leather stuff so it hasn't been that long it's absolutely amazing because i the the way you put your stuff together and you can tell that it's just 
the quality of the work that you do. Like those X-Acto knives are my favorite thing that you oh, make. Oh, yeah, those... I, I love those so much, and they look so nice. And the way you do the, which I learned from Bruce, is called a corset stitch. Which, which I taught, I taught Bruce how to do that, and I had no idea what it was called either. I mean, it was like <laughs> it was a blind leading the blind. I was like, I figured this stitch out. He was trying to do it, and um, I, I think I videotaped my hands, and I think I even stabbed myself while doing it. And uh, and yeah, so, and then I think he told me after he did that post that it was called the corset stitch. So. It, it they look so nice. I I just bit on one that you just did, and that's the other thing. You you I've seen your stuff in these like online charity auction type things. You're very generous with your um with your product. You're 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 a nice freaking guy, Ethan. <laughs> well, no, you know, and, and I'm a, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but <clears throat> I mean that's this community and and this is what has got me making more and more. I mean, I've I've been I would say I've been a maker for a little while, but um ever since I joined Instagram, it's just been so much more and it's because of this community and you know it's it's about giving back and it's about i mean i've i have friends that i talk to more on instagram that i've never met in person than you know some of my closest friends in real in real life but you know in my day-to-day and it's just because we've got this common bond you know i always felt like you know as a maker um i always felt like if i wasn't on youtube no one would give a damn what Mm -hmm. i was doing and to me finding finding instagram as a maker like, I'd always had an Instagram account, but finding it as a maker, not just a photographer, it was like a whole new world opened up to me. I was like, wow, people do care what I make. This is kind of cool. <laughs> and for me, it was it was truly like, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, all these people are the same as me. Like, the same, they get the same excitement from learning how to make yeah. stuff. And, you know, it, it was all of a sudden, there was this whole world of people that were just like me, which is... Awesome. Really, you really do feel like you know, as 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 big a community as it is, it is very isolated and insular. Definitely. Like it's it's the work we do, the work we do in our shops is very self focused. So you go down to your shop and you're yep. there by yourself, and you know when you're done, you come upstairs or you go to have dinner and. Maybe you talk about it with somebody, but you generally don't work in your shop with other people. I mean, I don't. I'm pretty sure you don't. Yep. And it's it's kind of nice when, you know, you can sit down and while you're relaxing, you scroll through Instagram and it's just tons of inspiration. Just you're bombarded from the minute you open it with just, look what this guy's doing. Right. This is awesome. This is amazing. Right. No, it's, it's I mean, it's that's excitement from, yeah, from the, the first time you open it in the morning to the end of the night. It's just, there's so much, and there's so many things that I would never have done or thought of that I'm probably not going to do, but I'm going to take a piece of it and it's going to influence something that I do do, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, totally. I remember, I remember the first thing I commented on of yours was the copper eyeglass holder. Oh, yeah. And I told you I was going to steal your design and I haven't gotten around to stealing it yet, but I am going to steal that design because it's away. genius. And <laughs> I'm just, I w- that's when I started looking through your stuff and I'm like, wow, look what he makes. Like this is 90% leather and it's all just clean. And by the way, you take beautiful photographs of your stuff too. I try, you know, I'm, I'm, that's the, the trick is, uh, you know, for bigger pieces, I have a tr- tough time. I got to figure that out, especially if I start a YouTube channel. But yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's all about the angles and, you know, it's just figuring it out. But you, uh, you're a photographer, right? Yes. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, yeah, that, that's my, that was my, that's always been my like, back of the back of the book kind of passion the thing that i'm tangentially interested in no matter what else i'm doing right i I love photography no matter what which is why sometimes you'll see an incredible photograph of a chipmunk (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh look woodworking he's making cutting boards he's making he's making copper jewelry oh Oh. a chipmunk (laughs) where the hell did that come from but if it's a beautiful picture it's gonna you know yeah that's kind of you know 
and that's what I meant when I said I don't really think big about, you know, a lot of people say you got to curate your feed. Yeah. It's got to be singularly focused. And, you know, I didn't even change the name of my channel when I really started using it to promote my stuff because, well, I tried to first, but the reality is I kept it for a long time before I even had a thought of trying to change it to the business name. Yep. And it's like, I, I don't feel like I need to curate my, because it's working. Right. Why, why, what do I need? To, I'm not going to necessarily make it work more because most of the stuff I do that makes me the real money is commission stuff. I mean, right. you know, the stuff that you see on the site is the projects, the bigger projects are all commissions. I'm not making those from, I don't have, we were joke. my wife and I were joking about this this weekend. I have nothing in the house that I made. Yeah, I know. Everything well, in the house is stuff that I bought. The stuff yeah. that I made is all in someone else's house. Well, it's funny that you say that because, I mean, literally, I think it was last week, I've made probably, probably over 20 of those X-Acto knives, sold a bunch of them, donated a bunch of them. And then I realized the other day, I, I didn't have one. <laughs> For myself, I made the first one I sold. I, I mean, first one I made, I gave did a giveaway uh, for you know who guessed who, who liked which one and whatever. And uh, so I finally made myself one. I, I and but it's funny, yeah. You you rarely. I feel like that's very common for for this community is you rarely are making things for yourself. It's oh, totally. It's more for the passion of making it and and getting it out in the world and sharing it. You know. Yeah, and even the stuff like when I started experimenting with you know the the company I'm working with to do my cut my metal jewelry it's like yeah i my wife even said the other day she goes i want you to make me some jewelry and i'm like <laughs> yeah. holy shit i've never made anything for my wife right. like how is that how is that possible like, all the stuff i've made i've not made her any jewelry yet oof right that's so funny <laughs> we it's the old the old the cobbler's kids have no shoes exactly you, yep. know, the, you know we're cobblers and our kids have no shoes <laughs> <laughs> so true so who is your, who, you know, I, obviously you inspire people like me. I love watching your stuff, wow. but who, who inspires you? Who do you look at and go, ah, oh, okay, that's, that's like when you need an idea, when you, you're kind of at the end of your, or you have like writer's block, the maker equivalent of writer's block, who do you go to for inspiration? Oh, that's a tough question. I mean, there's so many. I, that's why it's a tough question, I think. Gotcha. Um, well, so, you know, there's the bigger names. I'll, I'll start with the bigger names because I prefer to you know, promote the, you know, the lesser known people, but, but there are some big names that I, that really inspire me. And it's not so much from what they make, although I, I, you, you know, some of my other things out of leather, you, you could definitely see some inspiration. Um, but like, obviously, you know, Ben Ueda, um, inspires me. And, and the reason why he inspires me is his, his desire to continue to learn and incorporate new materials and, and, and that's what inspires me more than anything he specifically made. It's just that mindset of the continual learning and and combining different materials. Mm -hmm. um, I just think his brain works in a very interesting way, especially um, when it comes to stuff like plywood, which is stuff that we, you know, I personally, I was like, oh, okay, it's functional. He looks at it and goes, no, yeah. look how we can make this stylish. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and I'll just real quick side note. It's funny because go back three years. I mean, I. I didn't. I wasn't into. I found Instagram before I found YouTube. If that's, if you can believe it. Um, but I was searching for. I wanted to learn how to do some concrete stuff, and I just searched, you know, concrete projects or something on it. And of course, Ben Ueda, who's kind of the king of concrete, or back in the day at least. Yeah. And he. So Ben was probably one of the first YouTube videos I watched, and it was. And then like years later, or three years later, I'm listening to Modern Maker podcast, and I go to look up Ben Ueda and it's like the video that I first watched three years ago. It was crazy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting because concrete is the one area where there's 
there's definitely not a ton of people doing it. And I always think of two people with concrete. I think of Ben Ueda and I think of Mike from Industrial Maker. Yep. Yep. I don't literally, I literally don't think of anyone else when it comes to concrete. I don't even know anyone else doing concrete. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, and that's what's, it's surprising because it's such a, well, it's, and it's so funny because the two of them, at, I have Mike on my list as well because I think, again, nothing Genius. that he does I would tech- necessarily do myself, but I think he has a good um, eye for kind of combining different materials. That is, crayon table he did yeah, yeah. This was just one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Well, And that's what's so – and it's so different than what Ben does with concrete. His mm-hmm. is like glamour, polished, beautiful – work and and Ben's is as well but it's 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 the function of concrete it's industrial industrial yeah 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 it's funny because Mike's stuff looks like the kind of furniture you would find in a boutique like furniture store absolutely yeah like look at this piece we just got in from Mike and you know it's like ooh, it's the Mike collection or something (laughs) the Mike collection exactly (laughs) that's exactly what I was thinking yeah Cool. So uh, who else you got in there? Oh, yeah. So, um, all right. One last big name, I would say, um, just for inspiration-wise, is Laura Kampf. I mean, I think her style and, again, just the way she looks at things. I mean, I don't know if – have you seen – have you watched any of her stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was a patron of hers for quite a while. Yeah, oh yeah, she's she's amazing. But I think one of the ones that stuck out the most for me was the boombox and the – uh, where she out of the old old briefcase, the metal briefcase. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that one. Sure. Just the idea of walking through a field and finding a piece of crap and turning it into something so gorgeous and so unique and so her. It like that's the kind of stuff that really inspires me for her kind of work. I think the video, just... the video from her that really just sent me over the edge of like I just need to learn everything this woman can do was when she did the bit holder in the Zippo case. Yeah, yep. I, I was just I was infatuated yep. with that. I wanted. I actually went out and bought a Zippo. Yeah, because right. I, I didn't even own one, but I wanted one because I wanted to, I wanted to three D print the insert and carry that around with me because I just thought it was so damn cool. Well, and it's, and it's like yeah, those, I mean the, those are the the projects and stuff that you're just like, dang, why didn't I think of that? Like, uh, and those are the best ones. <laughs> and those course, are the best ones, right? Everyone that you ever, everything you ever look at, and you go, why didn't I think of that? Is yep. those are you, you, those are those ideas that it's like, yep, that's genius. Exactly, <laughs> and yeah, and but it, and it's so it's so obvious, but but it isn't because obviously it's not because no one else thought of it. But it, it's it's so obvious once you see it. Oh yeah, yeah, well yeah, it's like when you know it's when it's almost like hindsight being twenty twenty. You right, look back right. at it and go, oh, of course. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Why 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 is that? such an interesting it's like for example i've had this discussion about the beatles probably about 40 million (laughs) times with people like i wasn't a beatles fan until a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. because i always looked at them and i was like who really like this isn't innovative right yeah it was in 1964 right dummy (laughs) when you think of it that way and you Mm -hmm. realize like yeah this what this isn't innovative now but that's because everyone copied them exactly oh you know and it kind of clicks i made a playlist and it was like how many Beatles songs do I really know? I ended up like 50 something songs. I'm like, I don't know 50 songs from any Anybody other band. Else. Right. And no, it's, it's, you're right. They just, they just impregnate themselves into your brain and you don't even realize it until you well, sit and, there and you make the list. And you think, and you listen to other songs and you think about, okay, I can see how this came from the Beatles, you know? Mm-hmm. So, Especially yeah. when they say, yeah, you get a guy that says, oh, who are your influences? Well, it was the Beatles and, you know, maybe it was like the Kinks and well, this guy, all these guys. And you're like, oh, yeah. Totally yeah. hear that now. You can, you can totally hear it in it. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Um, all right. Well, so a couple quick, uh, just I mean, uh, you know, I think underrated or lower, lesser known uh, makers. I mean, I actually Bruce is is definitely 
an inspiration for me. I mean, we're friends as I know you are as well. So mm-hmm. it's it's a little bit different dynamic, but um, I just I, his channel is so underrated in my opinion. I think um, I think he's makes such great stuff. Uh, he has a really nice style, and it's just he should be bigger than he is. I, I love I I love Bruce, and you know he, I know he's going to hear this, and he's going to go, dude, come on, man. I know he's like, stop talking about me. Right? But yeah, oh, totally, he's going to be so annoyed that we're talking about yep. him. But it had to happen because we both know him. He's one of the nicest human yeah. beings ever. In fact, um, a couple of weeks ago, I was having um, I was having issues after chemo. Yeah. And he checked in on me like every day. Yeah. It's like out of nowhere. Now, I mean, look, we're friends, right? I, I, it's not, it's, it's beyond like an online friendship. Yeah. But it's, it's really is, I mean, in the end, it's an online friendship. We've never met in person. But he was, he always makes sure to check in on me, see how I'm feeling. And it makes me just feel so, I don't want to say loved because it almost sounds corny, but it does, I do yeah. feel loved. Like I feel that he's just the nicest freaking guy and he makes the most beautiful stuff. Yeah. And, he inspires me like constantly with what he does with the Glowforge. I'm like, wow, you're just doing so much more with it than I am. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's he's one of the good ones. I, definitely, I definitely agree with that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, he's he's yeah. I mean, well, and that's a that's another quick side note. I mean, that's the other thing about Instagram and this whole community. Like, I never thought I'd have true friendships just from online. Now I met Bruce because uh, we met at WorkbenchCon, and actually, I think Bruce was probably the first person I met. I walked into the lobby, and he was uh, like getting directions or something to to the conference <laughs> of course and he was. i was like i i like i know i know you like <laughs> and we talked a bunch but yeah um but yeah it's i mean that's an added bonus to all of this is is those friendships yeah mm-hmm. um the other one i think is uh michael alm i don't know if you know him alm bruce but, mentioned him on when he was on i don't know his stuff though he's something workbench right yeah, uh, his uh, his channel is uh, almfab, A-L-M-F-A-B. Uh, I think it's both on Instagram and on YouTube. Yep, um, I remember this guy. Yeah, he did mention. I think he did mention him. Yeah. Yeah, that might. Yeah, I, yeah, I think he did. But he, I mean, he's a true artist. I mean, oh wow, in every sense of the world, uh, <laughs> word. And but he makes these great videos that are slower paced, almost you know a little bit like a Chris Alimony, um, slower paced. But it's just some of the stuff is. It's not just a functioning piece; it's a piece of art, and uh, so I think he's he's underrated as well, in my opinion. I think he's got a really nice eye, and um, it's cool to see. I mean, he builds furniture and stuff like that, so it's cool to see a furniture maker with a definite artistic angle to it. If that it's makes also, sense, it's also rare. I mean, yeah. a lot of furniture guys are just I'm going to make a coffee table. Right. And it's like, okay, that's a really nice coffee table. Okay, cool. Next video. <laughs> right. Know? Well, th- and it's the one that it's the ones like that that I come back to, you know, the the Michael Alm and stuff like that that you want to see because you don't know what they're going to do next week. Mhm. Others that, you do know what they're going to do. That right? is that is kind of where I'm at now with most of these channels. Yeah. Like if you're if you're a one thing maker, I almost it's rare for me to stick around. Mhm. Like unless I really like you as a right. person. Well, and that's the other angle, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, Evan and Caitlin talked about that when they yeah. were on. They talked about, you know, people hang around because they like us versus people that hang around because they like the projects. The people that hang around because they like us are probably closer to our real fans. And that's right. kind of where I'm at now with a lot of channels yep. where I look at them and I'm like, I, I like your stuff, but I just don't want to watch you anymore. And it's nothing personal. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Exactly. It isn't anything personal. It's just, yeah. There's, because I think you guys were talking about it when you're talking about how many, people you're subscribed to i mean my list is growing and 
you know, I don't have all day every day to watch videos, so it, you are going to start to weed out the ones that are the same thing. <laughs> you well, know? I, I just subscribed to Michael Alm, by the way, because damn, his stuff's beautiful. Yeah, he's got. <laughs> he, you you'll be entertained. You'll he's definitely different. I think he's actually collaborating with Chris this week. I think I just saw on on stories. But. Oh boy, <laughs> I like. <laughs> That's a good one. That's going to be a good one. Yeah, I think you'll like that one. Cool. That's a good one, man. See, I love this because this is another way I get good recommendations. <laughs> right. how I found this guy named Ethan Carter, and you know, I was like, oh, look at that. <laughs> By the way, I got to ask you because yeah. I promised my wife I would ask you. How often do you get asked if you have any relation to The Wrestler? Uh, never. You've never been asked that question? No. Because the... F- okay, so there's a wrestler who used to be in TNA and now is in WWE's development company, NXT. Ethan Carter III. And when I first saw your name, I'm like, get the hell out of here. His real name is Ethan Carter. That is so cool. That's crazy. I, well, I think I must, maybe I'm the second. I don't know. I don't know who the first is, but. <laughs> He's, um, it's obviously, you know, it's obviously yeah, a stage yeah. name, but it was just so funny to That's hear funny. Bruce say Ethan Carter. And I'm like, and of course, Ethan Carter's entrance music starts playing in my head. And it's like, <laughs> oh, it's okay. So you've never been, it's never been asked. No one's ever made the joke. So I'm the first. You are the first. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I think crap. you're going to have to incorporate some of that music in the intro to this. Uh, I, you know, if, if I thought it wouldn't get me some kind of, str- well, <laughs> yeah, I'll right. get a strike on a podcast. Screw it. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll play it underneath this part of the conversation. Um, okay, cool. I just had to ask. No, I, I, I promised I would ask. That's funny. <laughs> oh, excuse me. That's the, uh. That's me trying to drink and talk at the same time, which is never a good never, idea. Yeah, it's never easy. <laughs> <laughs> so what, of all the stuff you've made, you must have something that you thought, there's no way this is going to turn out. And then it turned out and you loved it. So which Do you mean one in terms it? of like, I didn't think it would actually be... Either, come, e- yeah, you didn't think it would come together. Or that it would together. do as well as it did. Well, either way, either way. Something that, something that surprised you either with the success it had or how much you ended up liking it when it was done. Uh, that's a good question. Okay, uh, I think there's a couple things. Um, I mean, well, let's go back. I probably, this will be the last time we talk about this, the Exacto knife. But um, <laughs> I love the Exacto knife. You can talk about it all day long, man. That's and I'll come back to that for a second because that's a great tip to anybody, anything, anybody that wants to kind of have something to do auctions with. Is that's a but um, yeah. So when we go on vacation, as I'm sure you're like this and many other people are like this i love vacation i get stir crazy and i just want to make some you know i i have this itch to make stuff Mm -hmm. um and you never you're not in your workshop you're in you know vrbo or whatever and so uh for example last summer we went to sedona and i just i was like what could i bring that i could learn never done before and i got a bunch of carving stuff and threw Mm -hmm. in the checked baggage and we got there and i whittled a little actually that's a perfect example i whittled this stupid little crooked kind of like bendy uh, handle mini spoon i mean i think it's about four inches um big or whatever and i just i first spoon i ever carved and just did it at night and i posted that and that was probably one of my best posts for a a long time back then and that i had no i mean i posted it you know the wrong hour you know all the all the (laughs) things you shouldn't do if you want to post to go go big and it just took off and um so yeah so this year, when we went to Jackson Hole to ski, I had the same feeling. I was this anxiety that I was going to be antsy and not have something to make. So that's where the exacto knife came from. I said, "All right, I'm going to f- take uh, three exacto knives and 
wrap them in leather three different ways um, and just learn how to do it. So I learned a braided way. I just did a pure wrap, and then I did the corset stitch one. The corset stitch one is my absolute yeah. favorite, by the way. And, well, and so I had no – I didn't think anyone would be that excited about it or anything like that. But, you know, so all, all week I posted the three different ones, and then I posted the three of them together and said, you know, pick the pick your favorite and tell me why, and I'll, you know, give away the, the winner to a random person. <laughs> Hence um, why I still didn't don't have didn't have one until last week, um, but and so yeah so that and that just took off. I mean again the amount of comments, amount of excitement, and it's something so simple. It's just an exacto knife. Um, the corset stitch one won handily, by the way. Wait, what? The corset stitch one won handily. Oh, absolutely. By it the was, way, it blew it, it away, and I kind of thought that would. I mean, I didn't know before I made it, but once I saw it, I mean, it's just it's visually appealing and everything like that. Yep. And, and that's and that was that's a tip I'd give a lot of people is to find something that's unique for you that is re, you know inexpensive and you can make pretty quickly and then it's a shoe in because you can sell it for a reasonable price and you can also auction it off without feeling like you're giving away the bank but hmm. it's something kind of custom to you and I um and that's been a big success I mean that's I've been happy to donate that because it doesn't it like i said it doesn't cost me much it doesn't take much of my time um and people like it and it's a good way of raising some money for good causes so why not so it's a win-win i i was that's how i got started making actually really um i discovered the magic of wood filament for my 3d printer Mm because the first thing i had wasn't tools it was a 3d printer and that's awesome april of 2017 so right after you got started i got started and I got a th- my first 3D printer, and I discovered wood filament, and I started making Harry Potter wands. Oh, wow. But knowing, you know, having a little bit of knowledge about wood, I didn't want to just give them naked to people, you know, glue three right. pieces together. So I would take them down to my shop, and I would, I would put wood filler on them, and I would sand them so they were nice and smooth, and then I would stain them. And they came out incredible. I mean, they're still one of my favorite things. I, mean, I have two of them in my office just because they looked so damn cool, and people thought they were real wood. Yeah. And I was selling them. I was selling them at like forty bucks a piece, and I couldn't make them as fast as people right. wanted them. And it's, it's like five cents worth of material. You know, obviously I put a lot of work into yeah, them. Yeah, like the but, time, right? Right, but raw material wise, it cost right. me nothing. Right. And people couldn't get the like. I had people. I was back ordered for three weeks. On that's these crazy. Wands, and it's like this is the easiest money I've ever made, and that's when I started expanding what I would make and starting to learn Fusion 360 and starting to learn how to actually do stuff. So yeah, I can totally relate to the idea of finding something cheap because that could be the thing that really gives you the push. Right. It, w- it was for me. I mean, you know. Well, I think, and I think that's. I mean, that's a big piece of what you know. I th- to your point, I think people think of me as the leather guy now, and. And I probably I wasn't that much, and before that, I mean, I was made a couple of things that people liked, but your again, packaging just... is beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and I, I'm assuming you make your own packaging. Of course, yeah. Yeah, of course you do, because you're an artisan and you like to have things. <laughs> yeah, I guess I shouldn't have said of course. That's of no, it's no. I actually I would I would have been surprised if you said no. Like that's how I just expected it. So well, you it's... know, I take the same approach of that. I, you know, I, I wanted to have the style that I want. But mm-hmm. it's got to be also cheap and inexpensive because otherwise, you know, you, you shouldn't be eating into your margin because of packaging, in my opinion. Which I'm not. Right. <laughs> because yeah. I don't make mine. I actually buy it. and I buy it really cheap from China. Yeah. Well, exactly. So whatever way you do it, you shouldn't. Yeah. Be, that, I think people that spend a lot on packaging, it's, it's, it's not smart. I don't know. <laughs> I, I know you're, you're right. You're, it's funny because I, I have, when I first set up to sell the stuff online, 
I bought $200 worth of boxes from Uline. I bought a thermal printer. I bought all the boxes that I used to ship the stuff in. I probably spent about 500 bucks. Right. But that 500 bucks worth of supplies is, has never needed to be replenished. Right. You, you know, did it and, once. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So I did it when I started up and it, I took the pain. I was like, I can't believe I'm spending this much on boxes. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. you know what? Now I never have to think. Whatever I ship, I have the box for it. And I was doing, you know, I was shipping stuff in Amazon boxes. Yeah. And at one point I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? Like, I can't ship stuff in an Amazon box. What are, you're trying to look legit. Well, but I think, and I think that's it though. It, it doesn't cost, I mean, you can do it and make it look legit without being super high end. Right. And I think that's, it's, it's finding your style and, um, and like, I, like everything I ship it all, packaging is that brown and black and it's just it's all consistent and, yeah exactly and and it has the it has that feel and it doesn't cost me anything you know? i instantly premiumed up when i i bought the um the, the the gift boxes i sell my jewelry in yep they are they cost me i think they cost me like 70 cents a box mm-hmm. and i was like okay but these are just black boxes with the cotton batting inside like how do i how do i church these up and what did i do i went to a company and I had my logo printed on stickers yep and I put those stickers on the top of the box. That box goes from a black box yep. to a black box with my logo on it. And all of a sudden, everybody looks at it and goes, oh, this guy's legit. Like, yeah. And then I, when I package earrings, I use the, I use the pins, yep. those horseshoe pins to make sure they stay put. So when you open the box, they're hanging there in front of you. They're not just loose in the box. Right. All this stuff that, you know, you probably think the same way. I know you think the same way I do because I've seen your packaging. People don't think about that as a maker. They think, oh, I'm just going to sell the product. Right. But sometimes your image, when your customer opens it and they feel like, hey, I spent 50 bucks and you shipped it to me in a cellophane bag. Right. You know, that doesn't, doesn't go over well. Sometimes Even you if have it's, to. And it's subconscious a lot of times, too. I think it's just, I don't know. I think it goes a long way to have a little bit of it does. style. Yeah. It does. You know, and even like my, my thermal labels have my logo on them. Mm-hmm. When I print them out, they have my logo. Does it, you know, it's my home address and my name, but it's got my logo and it looks like, oh, it's, he's got his logo on these. These are, these are legit. Right. And I don't handwrite labels and I don't use the priority mail envelopes and packaging because I think that looks like too much like it came from eBay. Right. Right. You, you know, yeah. all these yeah. things that I started thinking about that I never gave any thought to. And I don't think people realize, you know, like when I send something out, it's not it's not an afterthought. It's the thought. <laughs> it is the thought, right? Well, you know, I think I bet you. I mean, I think it comes from what you like to receive. When I receive something like that is has that personal touch that I know that they went extra a little bit extra. Mm-hmm. It makes it makes the product better. It does. It does. You know, it does. as silly as that sounds, it does. But no, it totally does. I I actually with every single thing I sell, I write a handwritten thank you note yep. inside of it. Same. Why did Why do I do it? Because it takes three seconds, and because when a customer gets it, they go, oh, that's really nice. Yep. Thank you. It's, it's handwritten. It's, it's not it's, typed. It's not on the bottom of the receipt. Right. <laughs> yeah, know? no, exactly. I do the same thing, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure half the time they can't read my chicken scratch, but I still think it's the thought. That, you know, it's yeah. it's personal. I think that that's something that we've, we, you know, we, and I say we, makers have kind of lost a little bit of that personal connection because we churn stuff. Sometimes we churn stuff out, right? You're in your shop and you're just cranking stuff out, but you sell something and you're like, oh, cool, I sold the thing. But the experience now, you have to switch from kind of a maker to a salesperson Mm -hmm. a little bit. And that doesn't mean you're a salesperson that you're selling. It means a salesperson where you're promoting everything you do with that product because if they... The worst thing that can happen to you is they take a picture of it as they're taking it out of the box and it looks like garbage. And it's yep. like, oh, damn, 
that's got my name on it, and it looks terrible. <laughs> well, no, I mean, again, and I don't know if this is conscious or not, but selfishly, I one, I put a sticker in every every package I do because you know what, the chances of someone doing a story with a sticker and my logo is a lot better if they, if they have it. And also packaging, right? If it, there's a much better chance that someone will post a story when they receive your product if it looks nice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If it looks if it's just if it's just the thing and it looks boring, then it's you know it's not visually pleasing enough to post a story about. So. And I want I want that. Like if you want, and this is the thing, right? If you want word of mouth, you have to give people something to talk mm-hmm. about. Bar- pardon Bonnie Raitt. Sorry about that. But <laughs> you really do have to give them something to talk about. Like I'm not going to talk about you know, this thing I got from Amazon that's in, you know, a cellophane bag and it's one loose piece. And it's like, oh, okay, that's cool, but uh, I'm not going to take a picture of it. I'm just right. going to tell people. But if I see something that's like, wow, this is really nicely packaged. It's a nice experiment experience when I opened it. It really makes all the difference. It's I, things yeah, that people totally don't think agree. about. It's also, you know, it's, it com- it's shipping is another thing, right? Like, yeah. you don't realize, I, I look at my shipping very carefully. Like, it's like, okay, I can first class that, Sure. But if I priority that, they'll have it before the weekend, and right. they'll appreciate that, you know? Yep. And I think about that, and yeah, it costs me a couple of bucks extra. Sometimes it doesn't cost me that much extra. But all those things, it's like, I'm surprised at how many people don't put that much thought into it, because it's all I think about. It's like, how do I make yeah. this a better experience? Well, I think I think people prefer to get things before the weekend, even if it means an extra weekend. Like, I think... If you if you tell someone I'm gonna ship it out, you know I'll get it to you next week, and you ship it Monday, but you could have shipped it Saturday, you know, Friday, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know I think that it, I think there's something to that for some reason. I don't know what it is, but I've never shipped a customer order more than later than the next morning after it was ordered, unless oh, wow. I had to make it for a customer. Like wow. I great. never ever anything I have anything I have is in inventory right behind me over here on on a table, and it's all sorted. I That's never, fantastic. it has to go out the next day. Like I treat it like Amazon treats their, their, um, marketplace sellers. Like I to think that's me, a huge selling point too. I mean, I, sure. I, I don't do that just because most of the stuff I don't know that anyone's going to want until they ask Fair me point. for it. But. You know, for me, I'm lucky enough that I have inventory no, of yeah. the stuff that's on my store. So what, why would I wait? Right. Why would like, you? Well, exactly. Right. If it's not I, being made to order, then you should ship it out the next day. Uh, yeah, and yes. so I have it set up where you know I go into stamps.com, I do the I do the shipping, I take the tracking number, I put it back into the website. It sends out a confirmation email to the customer. They get the experience right. of dealing with like almost like dealing with Amazon, which is what people that's the gold standard, right? Everyone deals with Amazon. So if you're not doing stuff like Amazon, you're missing out. Totally. Yep. Oh, so, that's great. You're doing you're doing amazing artisanal stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm, as I'm talking to you, I'm scrolling through your feed, and I'm just marveling at some of the stuff that you've made. Like you had the um, the sticker case. Yeah, that that's that's <laughs> that one blew up more than I even genius. expected. Yeah, genius, it's genius. It's genius. I just the stuff you've made. It just it it's beautiful. It the coffee. I'm looking right now, right? Because I'm looking in order as I'm talking to you. Yeah. You got the sticker case. You got the coffee the coffee holder, yep, which sweet, is way yep. better than the cardboard one. And then right under that, you got, there's an X-Acto knife in an auction. And you just the stuff, I, I'm, I marvel at how it's got your distinct style, but yet it's, it's so varied. Like you have like this pendant here that looks like three, two, two crescent moons and like a half moon. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the famous copper eyeglass holder. I, See, no, where do you that, get... I mean, that, I pre- that, that is what I hope, and I am taken aback that you you said that but that that would be what i would hope is that 
I don't want to make the same thing, but I want there to be a consistent thread. There's a vibe. There's a vibe. There's something about your stuff, and I don't know exactly what it is, but there's a vibe to your work where I get it. Like, there's a cohesiveness to it, even though some of it's wood, some of it, but there's like, um, I don't want to say rustic because that's kind of a cliche, but like that that, um, table you did with the concrete base, it's just, it's perfect. It's it's absolutely perfect. No, and I think, and I, uh, yeah, I, I do agree, though. I think it's, it, it is, I would say it's, ru- yeah, maybe not rustic. I don't know what the right term, but. Again, I don't know the right term for your stuff. That's the problem. Not, and I don't want it to be. It's not, and I, I, I find it beautiful, the people that do this, but it's not the polished, looks like it's not handmade. I want it to look like it's handmade to some degree, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. No, it totally makes sense. Because I feel like mass produced, I was just having a conversation today, and you'll appreciate this because you've made cutting boards. Um, there was a guy, and you know, they know in this group. I'm in this group of people that are. It's like um, almost like an influencer group. Okay. But it's people that it's people that are business owners, entrepreneurs, and whatever. So we all have we were all having a conversation today, and I posted a you know I was like share your wins from the weekend. So I posted a picture of the two cutting boards that I did this weekend, and the guy's like, yeah, he goes, it, it sucks because I can. I'm in Vietnam. He said I'm in Vietnam right now, and I can get you know they have machines and. The wood here is so cheap. He goes, I can make these cutting boards for next to nothing there. Right. You know, he goes, there's no labor. There's no labor costs here at all. And he goes, I can make and I can ship them back to the U.S. And it's still cheaper than making them in the U.S. And I'm like, yeah, it, it is kind of disturbing, you know, that, right. that you can go to China or Vietnam or India and have this stuff made. But then you think about it, right? And you and I sell stuff. I mean, people buy stuff. They're still buying my cutting boards. Mm-hmm. Even though they could walk into Walmart and buy a $5 cutting board, they're still spending $150 on right. a board that I made for them. Right. I think that's, I almost feel like people are rebelling against well, the mass-produced stuff now. Of, and I, I mean, again, this might be cheesy and I might be completely wrong with this, but I think that's part of the, or at least an afterthought of this, the making communi- uh, movement. I, I think there's a value that people are starting to put back on handmade personal items yeah and i and i I love that i think that's i think that's great i mean i think i mean my favorite people to work to sell things or make things for are other makers because Mm -hmm. one they get that they understand the value so there's never a question of what are you charging or whatever you know um (laughs) but they also appreciate it (laughs) you know and not even i I wouldn't even say other makers i think but the people that follow me on instagram because they have an appreciation for what you're doing right right which is why you, your style, you know, you said you wanted it to be handmade. That's why it clicked with me what that guy said. It's like, yeah, yeah, you can get those cutting boards made in Vietnam, but they don't look handmade. Right. No matter how good they are at making them, they mm-hmm. always, like, if you go into, there's a store that I used to love to go into that shut down and reopened inside another store in New York called Chef Central. And Chef Central is one of those places, very much like Sur La Table or Williams Sonoma, yep. but not quite that high end. Okay. And you walk in, you look at the cutting boards, it's like, this one's $420. And I'm looking at the damn thing, and I'm like, there is no effing way that cutting board's worth $420. Right. I was like, I look at some of the stuff that people I know make, mm-hmm. and that, I'm like, yeah, that's a $400 cutting board. Darbin Orver just made the most incredible cutting board I've ever seen. This big, chunky monster of a cutting board. Really? And it's just gorgeous. You know, it's, it weighs 22 pounds. Yep. Um, it's it's stunning, and it was five hundred and something dollars worth of wood in it. Yeah, right. And well, I'm like, that's a five hundred dollar cutting board right there. Right. Well, not that I thing you're selling. People, yeah. yeah, but that's what people don't understand either. Is like, 
better materials too cost money you know mm-hmm. like it's yeah i i learned i learned from john malecki that if you get a lot of yeses then your prices are too yeah, low yeah exactly yep but it's it's funny because i do get a lot of yeses but i do make stuff sometimes i cut myself out like i'm i'm working on right now i'm working on these these two cutting boards i blew one up already yeah and it's like god damn it there goes every <laughs> bit of margin now i'm literally tr- i'm not even going to break even because right. i went out and bought a new router so that's it. I'm done. The, right. the the margins for this, not only the margins are done, the minute I bought the router, I lost money on the deal. Right. But now I'm determined to finish these damn cutting boards. Right. Now it's but, a battle. Right. Exactly. But yeah, but people don't understand. Like, you know, I went to Woodcraft and I got t- two pieces of Bubinga and it was $80. Right. You know, and they're not big pieces. I mean, they're literally the size of like, I guess, a piece of paper. Yeah. You know, but they're like $80 for two pieces, $40 a piece. And I'm, and now it, to me, I know better. It's a good deal. It was a right. very good deal and they were in decent shape. But yeah, it's, they don't understand that, do they? It's, right. No, they don't. And go to, but you know, those are the people that should go to Lowe's. And- <laughs> <laughs> they go, it's because people are so used to shopping at Ikea where basically right. all the furniture is commoditized. Yep. You know? <laughs> That's a great way of putting it. Yes. Yeah. It's, it is. It's, it's it like, is. it's, you know, you go there and it's all, it's for the most part, there's some, I don't want to bag on Ikea. I love Ikea no, furniture. I, I have a lot a of Ikea. place for it, for sure. I mean, yeah, a, but there is definitely a um, a cheap factor to some of it uh-huh. where it's like, oh, that sways when you touch it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. But people don't understand, you know, and they go and they'll go in a place like West Elm and they'll look at the furniture like, why is this $400? Well, because it's got $300 worth of wood on it. That's right. Why. <laughs> right. You know, even if you make it with a machine, it's still material, you it's know? It's still you, material. Exactly. Yep. I had the shock of my life because I'd never looked at, like, wood, like, good hardwood in a yeah. store because there's no place up here that sells it. Where, I know you're in New York. Where in New York are you? I'm in Rockland County, so I'm right okay. on the border of New Jersey and New York. Okay, cool. And, um, yeah, it's really funny because there's no hardwood dealers. If you, tell, if you put in hardwood in Google in my area, you get flooring dealers. <laughs> yeah, right. So the only hardwood I have access to is at Woodcraft in Norwalk, and which, which is fine. I don't yeah. mind taking the drive there, but... I went in and I found out over the last two weeks ago, my wife and I went there to pick some stuff up. And it's like, hey, we have a wood room. If you, and you have a what? A wood room? And we walked in this room and there's this gigantic piece of walnut, just massive piece, probably weighed about 80 pounds, 90 pounds. And I was like, I want that piece of walnut. And it was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I No, won't. I just want it. It yeah. was like 500 bucks. And I'm like, I really can't justify buying that without a plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. I, I mean, I I'm probably could make panels out of it and make a oh, you, live made, edge table. Made, you'd put it to good use. I'm not. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things. It wouldn't go to waste, that's right, for sure. Right. But have you ever thought, like, I noticed you you do make a, you have made a couple of furniture pieces, but have you ever thought of doing bigger pieces? Because I notice a lot of your stuff um, tends to cheat towards smaller. smaller. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, so part of that is shop size and, and that situation. So I, I mean, I have, well, it's actually an upgrade because it's uh, come five years ago, I lived in a one bedroom condo and had, Oof. um, the unfortunate for not foresight to get a glass topped dining room table, which ended up being my workbench. So this is an upgrade, but, um, but I just have a small, um, mechanical room shop in the basement. I mean, I'm talking small. I can touch both walls from side to side. Oh, wow. Um, and I squeeze a lot into that. And then I've got, you know, a job site saw that I can pull out into, uh, out into the driveway and stuff like that. So some of it, and maybe that's an excuse, but some of it is just the size um, of my shop and, you know, what I have space to do. 
Um, so it's a lot easier to do smaller things. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I do like furniture. I mean, I do. And I think long, at some point I'd like to do more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, as you, as you said, most of the stuff I've done is like side tables and right. smaller things. And I, and I like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've never built... I've never built even a coffee table. I built an end table, but I've never built a coffee table. So uh, that is something I'd like to do at some point for sure. You, I think you, I mean, just looking at the way you've put together your wood stuff in the past, it'd be very interesting to see what you would do as far as bigger pieces of furniture. Because applying your style to a larger piece just, yeah, yeah. I'm like, wow, that would be cool. Like, I, I love the stuff you've done. Like, there's this side table you did with the pipes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's just gorgeous i love i love so i had it i had designs when i first got into this office and my wife moved into the other bedroom so we both have our own office in this house yep and i had designs of making casey neistat's desk oh yeah so that end table reminds me so much of casey neistat's desk and i'm like damn that looks good (laughs) yeah the reason i made that is because i was tired of not having a place to put my drink i mean then you make a table to put it on exactly (laughs) what else would you do you did it's not like yeah of course you'd make a table because that's what makers do exactly right you got a need you make something (laughs) overcomplicate the hell out of it yeah exactly over engineer it and uh... (laughs) if it's worth doing it's worth overdoing exactly that's right (laughs) good old adam savage yep um there's something I damn it I hate you know what I hate I hate when I'm like in the middle of saying something like oh I gotta ask him this and then train of thought just goes bye bye oh train of thought so you posted this guess what I'm making thing a couple of days ago oh yeah and you said in the comments after you showed the final picture somebody actually guessed what the hell you were making yeah there's a uh, how actually, you know what oh you know what shoot I'm supposed to actually pick a winner and I totally blanked on that so I need to do Ooh. that uh, when we get off um yeah, there's a couple of people which I'm surprised, and, and maybe it's because they know me. That's <laughs> but, amazing to me. Yeah, me too. I, I was, couldn't. I was looking. I was like, okay, that kind of looks like the ping pong net that Bob made with Evan and Caitlin. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was the first cool. thing I thought. I was like, but it's too small. So what the hell's he doing? Well, it's it's fun. I, I've done that a couple of times, and you know, some of it's just to have something to post, and other. But it's a it's a fun engagement thing. People, you know, people. I'm always surprised at how many people actually respond to those types of things. Um, but Your yeah, engagement you know, level is fantastic on Instagram. Yeah, oh yeah, it definitely. really is. You you get people that are really into your stuff, and they you get a lot of comments on your posts, and your videos get hundreds of plays. Which, damn it. <laughs> but I wonder if that's. I wonder. You know, part of me wonders if that's because this is where you are. Yeah, you know, there, I think there, so. there is no Ethan Carter on YouTube. There's Ethan Carter on Instagram, and that's where people find you. So they're watching you there because that's where you are. Yeah, I think that's I think that's part of it for sure. I mean, I think yeah. I mean, you look at the people that have big YouTube channels, and they, I mean, relative to my you know my size account, they have huge Instagram accounts too. But it's really an afterthought, for, mm-hmm. you know. And I understand that. I mean, that's you know they're making their money from YouTube or of whatever. Course. So that makes sense. But yeah, there, there's, there are, you can tell when there's the people that are Instagram kind of centric makers, and then there's Instagram's a second thought, you know? Yeah, totally. If that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm lucky, I'm not going to speak for you, but I'm lucky that I don't need to make money on YouTube. Right. I, I, I can, I can say, you know what, screw YouTube, it's just not for me, I don't want to deal with it right now. I'm happy doing stuff on Instagram, which is actually making me money anyway. Right. So yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of feel that I really feel like 
it was a revelation for me to discover that there was a maker community on Instagram also. Yeah, right. Which is like, wait, how is this? This is this is a thing no one talks about. Everyone talks about YouTube. I've never had, in fact, no one I've had on this podcast has been primarily on Instagram. Is that right? You know, yeah, I guess that's true. You know, and nobody that's coming up that I, you know, can't mention yet, but nobody that's <laughs> coming up, especially the next episode that's coming up as we record this, he is nowhere near an Instagram guy. He just uses it. So Right, right. But, yeah, that's that's kind of crazy. You are the first. You're a trailblazer that way. Cause I, don't <laughs> I don't know really, about that. But, <laughs> but no, I do, because I, I, don't, I don't know of anyone else that's doing it the way you're doing it. Yeah, well, and it's interesting. I mean, I you know, I do, I, I am toying with the idea of YouTube and stuff like that, and, it, and I'm, but I think there is a little bit of a hesitation as to, is that the right thing you know it, it will be a completely different format you know mm-hmm. i mean it's i'm still making videos but you know there's longer formats um i kind of like the challenge of trying to show people what i'm doing without voiceover and within a minute if that makes sense you know if, no totally I, I think that's kind of a fun challenge to kind of show the build without telling the build I forgot who said it, but somebody said that putting an artificial constraint on is the best way to drag some creativity out of you. You know, like, yeah. you know, sit there and say, okay, I'm only going to make this out of hand tools, even though you right. have a shop full of tools. Like, I'm only going to make this out of hand tools. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I think I definitely agree with that. So, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see because, I mean, I've got I've got my setup and I'm kind of, I've got some uh, two, a couple projects that I've got enough footage to do a YouTube video out of and all of that and... But I'm still a little hesitant as to, is that the right move? Is that where I want to put my time? You know, so you know, we'll see. There is, there is definitely a, you know, on one hand you go, well, that's where you kind of need to be as a maker. And then on the other, it's like, but you're, you might end up diluting your audience. Right. Or are you going to keep putting the effort into Instagram if YouTube is dangling money in front of you? Yep. I don't, I, I, it's a tough one. I, it's funny that you're having that, that internal dialogue because that's exactly the internal dialogue. If I was in your position, that is exactly the internal dialogue I'd be having. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's it's all about what you, you know, I think you, you're putting time into podcasts, right? I mean, I think mm-hmm. that's another avenue that has come up. I've had a few people that have kind of, you know, we've talked about starting one and stuff. And is that what I want to, where I'd want to put my time? And you got to make those choices, I think. And and it's where you want to go and what you want to do and what it, what's going to keep you going. I, I don't know. I mean, again, also, yeah, the YouTube would slow me down, too. I would be able to yeah. do less projects, right? You'd have to, you have to figure out, you, when, you, when, you, when you do something like this, you know, for me, podcasting was, first of all, podcasting is not new to me, right? Yeah. I've been doing podcasts since 2006. So I, I knew how to do it. I could get one spun up very quickly, right. drop a couple episodes, and I already have a couple in the bank. Like, I know how to manage a podcast. Do mm-hmm. I know how to grow a podcast? I may not be the best at growing a podcast, right? But I also know what it's involved. I also know that the first couple of weeks, months are, are slog where it's really hard to get traction. I right. know that. I, I've, I've come to expect that. But I also know that, you know, that's where I needed to be. This was the content. I know how to produce this. I can do a podcast. Yep. If I were to try to do a YouTube channel, and I've done YouTube channels, but not, you know, any long form content like this it's all just me it was usually just me standing in front of a camera and talking right that's not going to sell now it's just yeah. not there's, there's enough people doing that you know that's not where i need to be this is i feel like you're it, this you were i'm, I'm kind of happy that you pointed out that i decided to do podcasts because i've never thought of this as my way of contributing to the maker community even though oh, it kind of is that that was my first thought the first you know as i started listening to your podcast i mean that was i was like this this makes sense. This 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 works. This is your avenue. I completely think this 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 was 
clearly the right route for you. I love I love doing this. I yeah, love exactly. I love, you can tell, right? I do. I'm I'm, I'm yeah. you know I'm I'm passionate about it. I enjoy it. I enjoy the conversations. I enjoy talking to people that I've only watched their content. You know, I I think people are generally surprised when they come on and I know their content so well. And it's <laughs> yeah, like, definitely. how did you know? Like you knew about that video, and you're like, yeah, because I've been watching you for years, dude. I didn't just start watching you to get you on the podcast. I've been watching you for a while. <laughs> Well, it, I think I think there's something that humanizes people in podcasts too. I think that's why making it and Modern Maker podcast. I think mm-hmm. that's part of why they've gotten bigger too. Is is because it's a way like I felt like I knew them then, right? Which right. I never would have gotten from watching their videos. Totally. And I think that so that was a connection. You know, so it's a way of actually meeting the person. I think there's a huge value in that. Oh yeah, making it. It's funny because all the guys on making it, I had been following. Yeah, like I followed Jimmy, I followed Bob, and I followed David. I mean, it's, I think everyone that's a maker follows those three yeah, guys, right. right? I mean, come on, we're not. This is not revolutionary stuff. Anyone that's a maker knows these three people. But f- listening to them on making it, and I actually, um, I-, I talked to Bob. I won't say for what. Hint, hint. Although by the time this uh, <laughs> by the time this drops, Bob will have been on the podcast. Um, but we talked about. One of the things that surprised me the most about the stuff that he does was that his podcast, No Instructions, clicked for me. Yeah. Because there's no way in hell that podcast should have meant anything to me. I agree. Yep. And yet it did. And I was like, wow, I really enjoy this podcast. And I think it's what you said is a perfect example of, you know, these are now people. Yep. You know, they're not just people that make stuff. They're people that make stuff. (laughs) Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and same with uh, Bruce's and same with like, um, you know, Bruce, that's another one. We built the thing is a perfect, probably an even better example because they talk a lot about family and being dads and I'm not a dad. My family is two cats and my wife. Yeah, right, right. You know, and, but yeah, you're right. That's a better, that's actually a better example. It's, it's, it's just, and and they talk a ton about making and and they brainstorm things and stuff like that. But it's not it's not that it's this right. It's it's having conversations. It's mm-hmm. um, it's a couple of guys and you're yeah. the fly on the wall. I love the fly on the wall stuff. I, when yeah. I was talking to I think it was Evan and Caitlin where I said the one thing I love about people that are on Patreon is after shows. Yes, when it's just yeah. more casual and it's a conversation. I kind of wanted this podcast to be one long after show. Yeah, to no, a show that doesn't exist. <laughs> right. There's no there's no set topic. There's no set right. No. Right. You know because. And, you know, people, you know, Keith Decent said that, that Jimmy DeRest has probably told his making story about a million times. Yeah. And, yeah, it's true because that's like we get Jimmy DeRest on. You want to be the one to ask him the same question that everyone's asking. Like, you got Jimmy DeResta talking to you. Why would you ask him how he got his story? You know. Everyone yeah. knows. Right. Let's skip that part. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um. Oh, what was I? Oh, man, my brain is just. My brain is just sizzled today. No problem, Because I got up at like 6.30 this morning and then had minor surgery. So oh. the brain is just not on tonight. Yeah. I, 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 mine isn't, and I just went to work, so. <laughs> so you, one of the things in your bio, one of the things in your bio is um, self-taught maker. And I am, I'm always amazed, and I learned the word, because I'd always heard it, but I never knew the word autodidact. And now I slip that into conversations all the time just to prove how educated I am. <laughs> um, so you are you are an autodidact, which I, is I a, so. a fascinating thing for me because a lot of people that do this are. And yeah. you something had to click in your head at some point to say, I want to start making stuff. Yeah. Right? It, it, it wasn't – you don't just start this – you know, it's not – 
What was the push that got you to say, I want to learn how to do this stuff, not just watch someone else do it? That's a, that's a really good question. I mean, it's, and it's hard to pinpoint, you know, that moment. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'd always... I'll go way back. I mean, growing up, like, you know, my dad had a shop, and I was always, you know, making stuff to some degree. And I, I always had a desire to learn, but not like book learn. You know, I I think I took a class on how to fix cars and when I was 17, not, wow. not for any reason other than I just had a desire to learn. So there's always a little bit of that. Um, and But I, that it really clicked probably, let's see, I don't even know how many years, probably six or seven years ago. Um, yeah, I think that the, the probably the moment that really changed things is six or seven years ago, um, I was single, I wasn't in a relationship. Um, had, you know, I was at the same company, but the position I was in was kind of truly an eight to five nine to five job, you know, no, no, nothing uh, really getting me going or excited about anything. And I uh, saw some ad um, for uh, how to like, building a kit acoustic guitar. Uh-huh. So, you know, not from scratch, but a, a kit, which mm-hmm. and I said, all right, I'm going to do this. And, um, you know, keep in mind, I didn't know how to play guitar and I didn't know how to build anything. I probably <laughs> never used anything more than a drill at that point. Um, but wow. I did it. And I think that it what, it taught me two things. It, it said, all right, you don't need to know everything to make something, right? You just mm. have to have the courage to try. And uh, so I took the class. I built a guitar. I learned a ton. Um, but I think more than what I learned was just that you can, you can learn, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that really sparked something that, one, in music. So now I have way too many guitars and... Um, and, but at the same time, it, you know, it really sparked the, the path of, of making and learning. Um, and so that's really where it started, I think. Um, and so from that point on, I made things for the next couple of years. Um, I always made things for family. I always liked making things for my apartment or whatever, um, you know, Christmas presents. Um, but really it was, it was at a dinner with my girlfriend a couple years ago, probably two, two years, two or three years ago. And we were sitting there and. And she said, you know, you should maybe not start, you know, you don't need to make a business and, you know, empire or anything like that, but you have a passion for this stuff. You should kind of go for it and do it. Um, and it took me probably, probably four or five months. Um, and I was listening to, uh, I don't know if you ever heard it, but the If You Build It podcast with uh, Mikey the Maker and uh, Kyle Stumpenhorse. I've heard of it, yes. And, um, and this was soon after that conversation with her. And I think one of the first episodes or something so at this point i only had my personal um ig account and i i don't know why somehow uh mike and the maker had gotten fed to me over and over again so i saw that he did a podcast and the radio in my car had died so i could only listen to things on my phone and so i listened to the podcast and it was about instagram and growing instagram and that there's this whole maker community or whatever um sorry i'm getting a little long-winded but basically i listened to that episode and I think it still took me about a month to get the courage to do it. I started posting on Instagram, and that's really, I mean, it's gone blown up from then. It's just I want to be making all the time um, and get inspired by people all the time. And so that that's probably where it really, really kicked in. I am smiling so huge right now because your story is so similar to mine. It's like, really? You just, yeah, it'll just, some, something clicked. Um, you heard something and it's, you're, you're the same way I am. You just want to, I want to be making all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm not, if I'm not down in my shop, I'm at my computer designing something that's going to be made down in my shop. Like, 
And, you know, when I'm thinking about stuff, it's usually what am I making next? Who am I making this for? What, you know, I got an order from a customer to etch Pilsner glasses. I've never done glass etching, but right. you can bet your ass I'm going to give it a try. Absolutely, right? You know, it's yep. like, why not? When it's can I get skill. started, right? Yeah, it's yeah. a skill. So, yeah, it's, I, uh, I'm, it's funny, my sister, my sister actually got the first cutting board that I ever made, like from scratch. Uh, second, but it was the first like traditional right. chunky cutting board. I made a polar bear one for a customer, and she lost her mind. I, she was my first actual order for a cutting board. That's awesome. And I was like, I got to learn how to make a cutting board. <laughs> oh, and it would probably be a good idea if I learned how to cut out a shape on it. Right. You know, and oh, wow, I guess I got to learn how to really use the bandsaw that I did one project with. <laughs> but that's the, that's the exciting part, is, right? It is. Yeah. People don't understand that, right? They think yeah. like you walk into the unknown and it's scary. No. No. No, the unknown is the best freaking part. I have a cutting board that I have to make now. It's downstairs. The, the, the wood is there. I have to figure out how to make Snoopy on his doghouse. That's awesome. Out of bubinga and maple. <laughs> I have no idea how I'm going to do right. the Snoopy ear hanging into the bubinga. I right. don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to damn well figure it out. Yep. <laughs> and and it's, I think that goes back to what I said way earlier is that, that it, it's all of a sudden there's all these people that are like you, right? You find the excitement from trying to to not knowing how to do something, but you know you're going to figure it out. I will figure something yeah. out. I will come up. Yeah. I will. The only thing I've not figured out yet is juice grooves. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know what? I have not, and I haven't made many cutting boards, but like my, my girlfriend wants one of those with a juice groove, and I'm like just haven't mm. even. No, here's what yeah. somebody told me. I think it was Steve Ramsey. He said, no, here's what you do. You don't worry about juice grooves. You put a wedge under one side of it, and it'll tip into the sink. And I'm like, damn it, dude, that's genius. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> it's a lot easier than making a uh, juice groove. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's but, hilarious. Yeah, it's. I think the unknown, when you're not a maker, and the in the was it the last episode? I think it was Keith Decent's episode where he talked about makers are problem solvers, and we are. Mm-hmm. We are. That's exactly what we are. We are problem solvers, and, you know, Pro- the problem is how do I get Snoopy's ear to hang into the red wood? Right. Well, I could route it out. I can I can cut Snoopy out on the Glowforge and glue him on, you know, yep. and do that out of maple. I have so many ways to do it. I don't know which way is going to actually work. Right. But I love the idea of like playing them out through my head. Like, what are the problems if I do it this way? What are the problems if I do it that way? Yep. And I do think that when you tell someone like, oh, I got to figure this out, and they're like, oh, I'm sorry. You're like, no, this is the best part. Right. Like, figuring this out is awesome. Right. That's you that's know, the best part for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, overcoming the limits of your tools, overcoming the limits of your materials, overcoming the limits of your knowledge. I mean, it's right. that's what we do. Yep. It's it's. I think that's why the maker movement is growing because there are people who want to apply their their genius, whatever it may be, in a different way. Right. You know, and you know, working with your hands is just this seminal thing that I I know it's. I may sound sexist, I don't care, but I feel like it's true that men have always felt like they needed to do something with their hands. Yeah. You know, there's always the guy who's like, oh, I don't do anything with my hands. And then, you know, the second that they need to replace an outlet, they're like, I can do this. And they go to Home Depot and they man up and they get all the, they get their screwdriver and they get the one tool they own and they get the outlet. And they're like, I did that. See, I'm a man. Right. You know, there's a certain, almost a caveman instinct in men to want to make. And I'm not saying it doesn't exist in women, but it it's really prevalent in men. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're just, that's what we are. We're makers. Right. Yeah. Whatever we make, we're makers. Right, exactly. So the, the question I always ask everyone, you've heard enough episodes of the podcast to know mm-hmm. that there's one question I ask every single guest. And I'm, I'm assuming you prepared for it. Uh, let's uh, hope so. 
And the question is, what represents fulfillment for Ethan Carter? <sighs> I mean, I have uh, heard that. I should have <laughs> it's like, more. yeah, damn it. I forgot and, you were yeah, going to ask I, me that. I one. thought I was going to be the one that you forgot. but Nope. <laughs> uh, what means fulfillment? I mean, it's, it, it, it is. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's what I'm doing. If that And that sounds cheesy, but... No, it doesn't. I... You you do that a lot, but just just for your own reference, yeah. you do that a lot. What? You 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 have a really nice thought, and you preface it by saying this is going to sound cheesy. And so <laughs> yeah, far, I none of them said, have sounded cheesy. I, I just want to point said that a out. A bunch of things about a million times. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I like what I'm doing, I, and that's why I'm doing it. I I love the learning. I love to learn new things, and then apply them and create something new and different that I that didn't exist before I knew how to do that. That's 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 exactly for me that's a perfect answer, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean that's that that kind of that fits almost all of us. Right. I, I if you had told me as a kid, if you had told me as a kid that I was going to grow up to be a, like a guy who's just a sponge and wants to learn everything, yeah. I would have been like that sounds too much like school, dude. Right, exactly. You know, and what happens, you know, you grow up and certain people don't do it, right? But the ones that do we get it. Yeah. <laughs> we totally get it. I totally get where you're coming from, you know, just even if it's one new skill. Right. Like I watch, do you know, you know the channel Maker's Muse, Angus? Um, he does 3D printing stuff on YouTube. No, Maker's Muse. I'm... Oh my God. It's the, one of the best 3D printing channels on right, YouTube. I'm looking. I'm doing it right now. Maker's and Muse. he did a video that my wife and I watched this morning of him learning how to use a sewing machine. And it was just the greatest video ever. I was smiling the entire time because there's a sewing machine in my shop right now that has never been right. unboxed. Right. And I have to learn how to use this damn thing. Like, I, I, I'm obsessed with learning, but I have no one to teach me. Yeah, yeah. And it's like watching him do it. It's like, I don't even care if I have anyone to teach me at this point. I think I'm just going to hook Stop. it up and try it. Yep. You know, he inspired me to go downstairs and hook this damn thing up and try it. Why? Because I want to learn how to use a sewing machine. And, That's and what why. do you have to lose, right? nothing right you have everything to gain and nothing yep. to lose that's really the maker that should be the maker motto right it is and i think that's like i always say that to people that say oh i can't you know i can't make stuff or i can't do it and you know yes we all have different skill sets we all have different whatever but to me you might not make the best thing but if you it's more of just having the courage to try mm-hmm. and if you and and then to try again. And you have to want to. I mean, you know, if you, if you don't have that desire, then, yeah, of course. You're... Yeah, because the first time something fails, you're going to stop. Right. But if and you that's have the desire, a true desire to learn something, just do it. And, and eventually you'll, you'll get better and better. And, um, yeah, I think, it, I think we get in our own way way too much. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's so many times where somebody in the beginning would ask me to make something like, I don't really know how to do that. I don't think I've said no to a customer since. Right. It's like, no, I don't say no. I say, I always tell, I'm always upfront with them. Well, I don't know. I I can probably do it. It might take me a little longer, but I will get it done for you. Yep. And by the way, that, you know, we talk about motivation, what makes us do this, right? But that's motivating. Like to know that you got a customer that's like, oh yeah, I, I want that from you and you have to figure out how to make it. Right. And get it right and make it to where the customer doesn't feel like you ripped them off. Well, and I'm always amazed at how, I mean, I think we're all our own worst critic too, but like you make something and you're like, oh, I messed up this and that. But like, even if it's, you know, you know, it's still good enough to, 
you don't feel bad selling it, but like right, but you're not happy with it. You wouldn't, yeah. But they still, and but they don't see that. You know, they no, don't see it. So they don't. They don't see. You, you, they don't see it unless you point it out to them. Right. You don't. You know, you can't lead with your mistakes. Yeah, that's was, yeah, that's a great way of putting it. That sure. was I can't take credit for it. That was Steve Ramsey. It was one of the first things he taught in his course. Like, don't ever show your first projects and say, "Well, this is wrong. This is wrong." Just shut up. No one's gonna notice. No one. Literally no one. I have made mistakes and stuff, and nobody noticed. Yeah. I've, it's hard, though. Being, you know, I, I, I definitely struggle with that. But I'll tell you why it's hard, because you're a lot like me, okay? And this is how you're like me. Because when you look at other people's stuff, you see those mistakes. Yeah. You do. You, you can't help it, because you make stuff. And when you make stuff, you do tend to see the mistakes, even though you don't... I'm not going to dog someone's work, ever. Right. I don't care. There's a mistake in it. So what? Big deal. Right. I make mistakes There's all the time. 98% of it is, is awesome, right? But they so. jump out to you. Right. The mistakes do jump out to you, and you don't judge the work by the mistake, but you see them. Yeah. You see all of them, and you see all the little imperfections. You see that one shot where they clearly hit the wood with a hammer and then didn't have enough material to sand it flat. (laughs) Or you see that, like, the paint didn't go on evenly, and they went back and painted over a paint that was there, and it bubbled a little bit. You know, all those little things that you look at, and you go, yep, I can see that. Or they're doing something with the CNC. And they didn't they didn't lift the head of the CNC up at the end of the piece, and it went a little bit further and yeah. put a round all those little things. And it's like yeah. I don't judge your work by that, but I see it <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and you think, and you know, you're like me. You probably think that people look at your work that way, right? I well, I, I wouldn't be if I show my work to a maker, they're going to see it completely different from someone who's just a customer who likes custom made stuff for sure. And I think that's why we kind of think that way. We 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 know how we look at things, right? And it's, yeah, no, that makes sense. It's sure. it's it's projection almost, right? right. <laughs> Which it's it's terrible. Yeah, but it's also you can't you can't deprogram yourself, right? No, because exactly. one of the things I do when I go to a furniture store is I look to see like how they do this, right? Like, you know, oh, you how did that too? Yeah. This? Oh yeah, yeah. Like I, I go, in, I don't go into West Elm. I've never bought anything at West Elm. I go in there to look. Yeah. And I'm like, I want inspiration. Like, yep. I go to furniture stores sometimes or antique stores or vintage stores, and I go in there. I'm not going there necessarily to buy. I'm going there to see what they make, you know? And again, it's not to, it's not to copy or, or anything no. like that. It's it's like, oh, that's a creative way of, of putting this together or, or solving that problem. And there's something there that's going to help me on a future project that's completely unrelated. Mm-hmm. It's the creative sponge theory. Yeah. You know, everything that you make is the sum knowledge of everything that you've seen, learned, taught, been taught, you know, read yep. about, watched a video on. It's it's just natural. I mean, you don't, we don't create in a vacuum, as my friend David Swiduck likes to say. We don't create in a vacuum. Yeah. We don't. We yeah. You can't create in a vacuum. You can't. You need input. You need well, input to create output. And that's, and there's no no such thing as an original thought. I and mean, there's origin, original collaborate collection of thoughts and stuff like that but we're all inspired by other people and i think that's a healthy thing i mean that in the best way possible oh yeah it's it's we are all a combination of copying other people Mm -hmm. but but put but the way we put it together is what makes it our own the first uh the first real woodworking project i made was a frame that i copied from evan and caitlin but i didn't make it exactly the same way yep I sent it to them, and Caitlin said, this is beautiful. You did a great job on it. And I'm like, yeah, it looks nothing like yours, but yours was 100% the inspiration for this. Right. right. You know, And it, that's kind of – I think that's one of the nice things about the maker community is that we all know deep down that 
everything's been done right. to one extent right. or another. Yeah. You know, like nobody's making an epoxy live edge river table with hairpin legs because they think they're the first one to do it. <laughs> right. At this point, if you think you're the first one to do it, Jesus, man, get out more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, you do it, you know, they may do it because they like it. They may do it because they just want to try it. They want, they saw it and they wanted to have one of their own. All that factors in, but you're doing it because you've taken that input right. and you want to create something with it. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always fascinated by the mentality behind the people that do this. I mean, that's one of the main driving this, right? forces of this podcast, right? Yeah. Like, why do we make, where do we get the creativity from? Because creativity is an interesting thing. You know, people don't think they have it, but they just don't realize that, okay, you may not be creative when it comes to painting, but you may be the most awesome pencil sketch artist right. that ever existed. You're still an artist. Right. You're still creative. Yep. No, I, well, again, I think it's, it's, it's the, the courage to just do it, right? Yep. And, have, and you are creative. There's, everyone's creative. Everyone's creative at something. Yep. There's no such thing as someone that's devoid of creativity unless right. you have some kind of mental illness. <laughs> right. Which even mentally ill people, some mentally ill people are brilliantly creative, right. you know. But unless you have some kind of crazy part of your brain that's not functioning. Right. You are a creative person. You just haven't found your medium yet. Yep. I thought my creative medium was music for a long time. I thought it was photography. I love photography. Yep. I, I do. I love photography. I don't do it as much as I should, but I love photography. Do I play music as much as I should? No. There's a digital piano sitting right next to where I'm recording that's got dust on the keys because I don't play <laughs> it enough. I don't. Right. But, yeah. you know, you always, I've always been looking for my next creative outlet because right. I love being creative. Mm hmm and, you know, maybe my stuff's not super original. Some of it is. Some of it's not. Some of it's derivative. I know that. Right. But I still enjoy it. I love, exactly. I love when I have an idea in my head and it looks just like it did in my head in the real world. Yeah. That's when I feel like, oh, I did this right. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's a feeling that's really, really hard to explain to people. You know, the idea of having something in your head and then having a thing. Yeah. And, and it's, right. Yeah. It's almost impossible to convey that feeling because if you don't make stuff, you, it's hard. You know, unless you have a, a spouse that you share it with and then you say, okay, I'm going to make this and then you make it and show it to them and they go, wow, that's just what you described. <laughs> yeah, but even then it's still not quite the same. <laughs> no, it's not, they don't get that feeling. They just yeah. go, wow, that's pretty cool. He kind of described the thing that he right, made. Right. You know, I, I loved it when I first started learning Fusion 360. Oh, yeah. And I, I went imagine. from, I can't do a cube to holy crap look what i can make now right and it's like oh this is pretty cool like that's what it looked like in my head and then i print it out on a 3d printer and, and it went it from head to product yeah that's pretty cool you know i got i'll tell you fun, i'll tell you a funny story because it actually when i got home from the hospital after my surgery in march they get i had a feeding tube and there was this iv there was this pump that they give you for your feeding tube you put the bag on top and it kind of works like an iv pump in the hospital mm -hmm. it had a screen and the screen had a backlight, and the goddamn backlight did not shut off. So as long as the machine was on, the backlight was on. Now, imagine trying to sleep with right. that. Because I had to do this overnight. So it was a 16-hour. So it started at 8 o'clock at night. It would go overnight and be done at 12 o'clock the next morning. So I basically had a blinding white light in my bedroom all night long. Oh. So one, one, one night, my wife goes, can you turn it around? I'm like, I can't turn it around because I need to be able to hit the button on it in case it stops or whatever. Right. And she's like, oh, this sucks. So I sat here. I dragged it out of bed one morning as I was recovering from surgery. I dragged it into my office, and I sat in my office, and I pulled up the manual online, and I traced it in Fusion 360. I traced the face of the machine. Yep. 
took some measurements, and I made a cover for this machine that I could just snap over the front of it so that the light didn't bug us anymore. Like we said, you need a, you need a table for your drink? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> the, visit, the, the visiting nurse came the next morning, and she goes, what's that on your machine? I was like, oh, I made that. What do you mean you made that? So I had to explain to her 3D printing. I had to right. explain. She's like, can you just like sit on the couch and recover from your surgery? I'm like, well, now I can sleep. Yeah, exactly. now I can. Right. But yeah, it's, it's really funny. Like that's how we, you know, we're problem solvers. Right. And that's how we approach, that's how we approach everything. Absolutely. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to wrap there. Is there any place you would like to direct people? And as usual, if anything that you give me, I'm going to put in the show notes for you. So yeah, I, I mean, you're, right, obviously your Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it for the moment. Um, yeah, I'm Ethan Carter Designs on Instagram, um, just all one word. And yeah, um, some point maybe I'll have a YouTube to, to tell people about, but we'll see. Maybe a Twitter, maybe a, maybe a Twitter, website. Yeah. Yeah, I I do need a website. That is You do need a website. I do need a website. That is uh probably more than a YouTube channel for sure. We'll but. talk afterwards cuz I I have something I'm going to blow your mind with what I can tell you after. Okay. But, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right, so that's going to do it for this week everybody. If you enjoyed the show, if it was shared with you and you want to find more or subscribe, you can find it at vincentmferrari.com/podcast or because we make.com. You can like the show, review the show, share the show. Um, if you feel so inclined, there is a link to support the show financially, although I would much rather you write a review and share it because that's worth a lot more to me than a few bucks a month. Um, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for joining me, Ethan. I really, I've been looking forward to this. And just so you guys know what happened, we were supposed to record this episode a week ago and I came home from work and I thought I was going to just pass out and die. And I messaged this gentleman friend of mine, Ethan, and I said, dude, is it okay if we put this off a little bit? Because I really don't feel up to it. And he's like, yeah, sure, no problem. So I really, believe me, I appreciate that more than you even understand because oh, I felt terrible. I've never canceled on a guest before, but oh. I really just couldn't do it last week. No, not a worry so. at all. And I and it's been really fun. This is the first one I've done, um, and I really appreciate it. So it's been well, a, it's who been knows? a great maybe time. One, maybe one day I'll need a co-host, and uh, maybe you'll be available, and you can do Absolutely. this. Absolutely. You, you let me know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And we will be back next week with another guest. And if my, my projection out to the date that this is dropped is correct, then my next guest is going to be probably one of the more intriguing stories I've ever had on this podcast. You're just going to have to tune in to find out who it is. Until then, have a great week, everybody. Thank you.